while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back later in the week, but I'm joined now by Will Senat of the New Bedford Light. Hey, Will, how's it going? Hey, Marcus, thanks for having me on. You've been covering a lot that's going on in the Port of New Bedford. When I first had you on, there was that discussion about how uh, you know a lot of the the wind industry. I mean, not the, the, a lot of the fishing industry had been basically consolidated into these, you know, into the portfolio of a Dutch billion. It was a great. Uh, it, was a, it was a great story uh, you. by you and ProPublica. But we're here to talk about some of your reporting on uh, offshore wind. You've been writing about it uh, uh, a lot lately. I uh, saw you at Governor Healy's mm-hmm. uh, UMass Dartmouth event, and so one of the pieces you wrote recently was um, basically this was during the. You know, when it was when Governor Healy was Governor elect Healy and uh, Mitchell, along with some leaders in the business community, had uh, sent her uh, a message. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's really an interesting time for the Port of New Bedford, uh, for the fishing industry, the offshore wind industry. Um, and yeah, it all kind of coalesces here at this moment around, uh, you know, the new governor of Massachusetts, Maura Healy. Um, but, you know, the the, uh, the the news, I mean, of course, started a bit before uh, it started. You know, just before the new year, I think she was inaugurated on January 5th uh, with this letter that was sent from a group of, you know, local business leaders. It was people from UMass Dartmouth, um, you know, uh, I think it was a state senator, state reps, Mayor Mitchell. Uh, and, you know, what they kind of did with this letter is they, they sent it to Moore Healy and they put, you know, this moment, uh, both economically and in terms of labor, uh, in perspective for her, you know, what to expect Um you know they're going to be asking for in her new administration, and what he they basically said was like, and and Mitchell's, you know, when he's come here, he's talked about it. He's, you know, really framed it as a competition between mm. New Bedford and the other ports in the East Coast. But he had said, and he said it here, that New Bedford is uniquely positioned to lead this industry mm. because they have, um, they're the closest. To yeah, it's the, wind the closest centers. the closest port in proximity to you know these seven uh, offshore wind projects just south of Martha's Vineyard. You know, it's not just Vineyard Wind, right? It's these other projects that are in the queue, more or yeah. less. And um, the queue yeah. now, <laughs> yeah, in the queue now. I mean, Vineyard Wind is started, right? But yeah. these other projects are still in that you know development phase, which yeah. can take any amount of time. But yeah, the Port of New Bedford is the you know closest port, and it makes sense for it to be based here. You know, it's an industrial port. Um, and this letter, so. Uh, what it really asked for uh, Governor Healy to take into account is that Massachusetts, you know, in the first part, Massachusetts has to be competitive when it comes to offshore wind. Other states now are really getting in. Uh, you know, we have projects like Kitty Hawk Wind in North Carolina, um, you know, down further in the New York Bight. And, yeah, I mean, Massachusetts led the way. It was the first state, um, you know, in federal with federal uh, offshore wind turbines. Of course, Rhode Island was first with that state project. But, um, you know, now is the moment to, you know, make this more competitive um, that, that was the first leg of this this uh, letter. The, the second is about what offshore wind means for New Bedford, and they spelled it out pretty clearly. That you know, of course, the offshore wind green energy is you know good for the nation at large, but for New Bedford, 
you know, an industrial port. It's really about economic development. Yeah. And they, they really hope that she's going to, um, you know, maybe it's through tax incentives or, you know, I guess that's usually what it means by more competitive, right? Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that she'll take that into account. Well, and to that point, Healy seemed to have come through in the early days of her administration. When we were there in the scrum with her. She, mm. Her and Driscoll had said at UMass Dartmouth that this was actually their first out-of-office visit was to the South Coast with to a roundtable with a lot of those state reps and Mark Montigny and Mayor Mitchell uh, to talk about climate uh, talk about climate action. A lot of that did center around offshore wind. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was a meeting about offshore wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no, some, yeah. some talk about composting or uh, different yeah. forms of. I mean, well, Chris Markey's been big on that uh, the the composting issue in Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, you know, there were there were some students there talking about. Uh, one was talking about how to use uh, mm-hmm. alternative uh, sources for biofuel. That yeah, was a big one. Like, um, I guess shellfish excrement was the uh was was what she was proposing another person that had been in the arctic doing some studies there they had also talked about uh wave wave current generation mm. but it was all basically offshore wind it, it, was, it was i mean that was the crux of the the dialogue there i mean uh, healy asked at one point she said you know what do you guys need from the state here and yeah. you know honestly i think some of them were a bit caught by surprise at that mm-hmm. uh question i mean it was so direct yeah. I, I was kind of caught by it uh and, you know, they said that, you know, an ongoing collaboration, um, especially in this, you know, ongoing development of, of offshore wind. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Amori Healy's visit, I mean, I think that's the last place we saw each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, it was her first stop in, you know, outside of Boston since she was inaugurated. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, it seems like she was honoring, uh, you know, the, first of all, uh, in the letter, you know, going uh, kind of. Uh, delivering on on what the letter asked, but also standing by a uh, commitment she made during her campaign, which is that we want New Bedford to be um, the center of not just of the national offshore wind industry, but the global offshore wind industry. Now, she did say that. the U.S. is a bit far behind right? yeah, <laughs> when right. it comes to European countries. They've had wind farms spinning for decades now, but yeah. um, you know that's more or less what the uh, letter was asking her to 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 do. Yeah, and uh, one of the interesting things when she said, what do you need from the state? That was interesting because I think when a lot of people see roundtables and, and, and forums and stuff like that, a lot of that seems like pageantry. But mm. what do you need is a concrete, like, what are you asking of me? But Senator Mark Montigny, I don't know if you remember this, said, we want the lion's share of all of the climate investments that the state's getting because mm. we, again, are uniquely positioned uh, for this. Now, still kind of broad strokes, I think, because I remember, like I said, like we were talking about when we were, we were asking her questions on what, you know, like we talked about some of the trepidation with Commonwealth Wind and, and Mayflower and all of that and the deep, you know, how they were trying to back out of their agreements, basically their purchase power agreements. And the state said, no, you're moving forward. Mm. And she said, I said, how are you going to deal with that? She's just by moving forward. (laughs) And then you, you know, when she said that, um, she wanted to, they want to compete, you know, like we talked about, you asked her, um, how are we going to compete? And she said, by competing. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, still some, I think kind of broad strokes on that where, you know, we'll, we'll see that, uh, be a bit refined a little bit later, but yeah, I think, but I mean, I think those two questions that, you know, we asked back to back there, um, I mean, they kind of get at this moment for offshore wind, right? I mean, this, uh, you know, the Commonwealth wind, it was another oven grid uh, project. Uh, 
you know, they, you know, in a lot of ways, it seems like they're kind of testing what they can get for That's this. That's exactly <laughs> I mean, right. These projects have been in the works for a long time, and now, you know, with this, all this political pressure behind offshore wind development, yeah. um, you know, of course, inflation is high, and that's what they're pinning. You know, this new—they they want to essentially adjust the rate that people are going to pay for energy. Um, but you know, it feels like, yeah, I mean, make this more competitive for us. You know, make, yeah. <laughs> let's. Uh, um, that's a bit of you know speculation, but so yeah, it, it's it. But again, you know, it, I think it's still it is the case that you know there's obviously going to be some. I mean, in, uh, in, you know what is interesting too? Someone asked her. Do you agree with Mark Montigny? Do you think that New Bedford should get the the lion's share of offshore wind? You know, you got Kim Driscoll here. She's from Salem, mm-hmm. and she, uh, you know, they have offshore. They they do some manufacturing there in offshore wind. And then Healy didn't say no, and she didn't. She didn't only not say no. She like basically hinted at that they're going to do that because what she said was you could imagine a scenario in which some prod you know when we're putting together our budget we're trying to get the most bang for our buck and you can imagine a scenario in which the some projects are going to get more money than others so Mm -hmm. it seems like she's hinting at new bedford getting even more investment um i think you talked about this in the in the article there's a significant amount of port investment that came down from the baker administration yeah kind of the last you know uh, 11th hour yeah i mean dead of, i mean it, it, what was that three days before it uh, was, he left office yeah it was basically in, in I, well it was like late december and i had mitchell on probably a day or so after it was announced and mm-hmm. he had he had said basically they were announcing that just to kind of get their last string of like um you know their last string of uh of accomplishments like they wanted that under their name not more healy's right because they did it right and so they were just pushing that through yeah so. i mean it was a serious amount of money it was 180 million dollars uh, yeah. most of which came to the port of new bedford i mean i have the numbers here um you know 45 mil- million to improve the mass ec uh you know bedford marine commerce terminal 15 million for the uh port authority you know north north terminal expansion project yeah uh, 15 million for the Foss Marine Terminal, you know, that big development on uh, Cannon Street that's being torn down mm-hmm. currently. And then 4.6 million for, uh, you know, the Quinn Fisheries Project, uh, their bulkhead. I think it's the Revere Copper Brass yeah. development. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money. Yeah. T- speaking of that port development, I know we didn't, I didn't talk to you a bit of, uh, we didn't talk about this before, but I'm going to bring it up on air anyway. Um, uh, the State Pier, you wrote a story mm-hmm. on that. Uh, just just as, a, as an aside, I thought it was a really interesting story. I know Ben Burke from Publix Radio mm-hmm. had touched upon this a couple months ago. I had him on to talk about it, but uh, they took a bid, basically they secured a bid for to develop the State Pier, half like commercial, half retail, all of that, but there's it's kind of been some arguments about whether or not that was done in a clandestine way, mm. essentially. Like the state rep, I, Strauss, had, I think, basically come out and said the deal was done, quote unquote, in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's rare for a, you know, a politician to speak that bluntly about yeah. you know um, what he saw as essentially corruption with, with, with the deal. Um, serious charge, yeah. Yeah, you know, and when a politician speaks like that, I mean, it's, it's a... That that's news in itself. You know, it's not yeah. us saying that. That was, um, you know, a statement from our local politician. And uh, you know, I mean, there was some merit to it, right? I mean, this was uh, ongoing talk about a state facility, mm-hmm. right? And these, um, you know, state reps felt like they should have some input. Um, you know, of, of course, their argument here was that uh, um, what was the name of the development agency? The, the mass uh, mass development mass development, yeah. right? Um, 
that they were essentially having conversations with with Mayor Mitchell, yeah, who was you know city official, yeah, kind of outside the purview of a state facility, right. And when we asked Mayor Mitchell about it, you know, he said yes, you know. Of course, I've been having these talks. We care greatly about this development, <laughs> yeah. and we want this to go the right way. Mm-hmm. And there's very few people who think that this is a you know bad plan <laughs> for the uh, port I of think New Bedford. I personally, uh, you know, and I'm I'm able to give my opinion here. I think it's a great plan because uh, you know the way he's talking about it, it. You know, it basically puts front and center a lot of the uh, highlights of New Bedford being the number one fishing port. They're going to have the auction on full display mm-hmm. as like a tourist attraction. They're going to have some, you know, dining and retail. They're partnering mm-hmm. with the Silversteins, who have obviously done a lot in development here uh, on the port for uh, for hospitality. So it looks like it's, it, like you said, a lot of people have a hard time disagreeing with that, uh, that development over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people see it as a uh, definitely a positive thing, but... Um, yeah. We're going to take a break now, if that's cool, and then we'll, we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. We're here with Will Sennott and the New Bedford Light. UBS. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I was going to play in a song, but I kind of forgot. <laughs> uh, so in the next break, we'll have to think of something, if you have anything that comes to mind. But we're here with Will <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can finish it for you if you want. Sorry. No, uh, we're here. <laughs> we, we're... Who are you? <laughs> Will Sennott, reporter with the New Bedford Light. So uh, you're the port guy. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the beat that I, that, I, that I cover. I mean, fishing industry, offshore wind. Uh, we, we have you know, my colleague Anastasia Lennon does a lot of reporting yeah. on it too. But you did a great piece uh, with her, actually. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. The um, yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly important part of New Bedford, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's where a lot of the jobs are, and um, yeah, we really want to cover it. So I wanted you know we were going to talk about this um, uh, this this new jobs initiative uh, mm. with uh, locally, but. Uh, we kind of got in the conversation about the state pier, and I was hoping to stay on it for a minute. Um, if you're if you're interested, if you can give mm. people a, just a broad overview, you had a story on it recently. Yeah, I mean, it was just the most recent episode in an you know everlasting saga of mm. port use, right? Uh, mixed use or industrial, and uh, you know for a long time, New Bedford has always held on, especially through our state reps, to industrial use. I mean, it's the you know, top earning commercial fishing port in the U.S. and you know that's, there's a reason that's not happening in in a Newport or a you yeah. know, place where it is more mixed use. Um, you know, but this one did fall to uh, to mixed use, and yeah. uh, it's a small portion of the port, right? It's a very visible portion of the port. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, you know for those who are all in pro industrial. Um, definitely conflicts with their their image and their desires for the port. Yeah, because what the the bid was that was secured was is basically this um, you know. Uh, industrial uh, mixed with retail where they're going to have the auction on full display. Uh, They're going to have the auction on, on, uh, on full display so people can actually watch it. He talked about how in Seattle they have people throwing fish around and all of that. And that's Mm -hmm. a big tourist attraction and New Bedford hauls in a great deal more than Pike place fish market. My girlfriend went there. She, you know, she, she saw that. (laughs) No kidding. Why is there nothing like that in New Bedford? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in New Bedford, uh, Seattle pales in comparison to New Bedford in terms of the, the amount you know of the the not only the money that's coming but the you know the the total amount of catch that comes in and so the fact that they have that new bedford doesn't is there's really i think an underutilization of the uh, of the asset and there's mm-hmm. also going to be some retail development hospitality they've uh, working with um you know the the silverstein you know steve silverstein as well mm-hmm. to 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 um to to make that i again i i think it's going to be i think it's worthwhile it's probably a better use of the property than than what it's being used as now and it's not like they're Shuttering 
I think it's not like they're shuttering the the fishing industry there. They're I think putting front and center like the the heritage industry in New Bedford for people to make it a real tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the state reps had also, uh, you know, you'd reported had felt a little bit like they were shunned from the from the conversation, left out of the process. Yeah, how, how they put it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, we're speaking with Wilson out the New Bedford Lights. Uh, we were talking about offshore wind. Uh, Moore Healy had come to uh, the South Coast to talk about offshore wind at a, at a climate roundtable. Had uh, you know, kind of hinted at she was going to commit a significant amount of state funds to it, and um, you know, uh, Mayor Mitchell had urged Healy to you know really prioritize it because New Bedford has a chance to be a global leader given their proximity to sort of the wind centers in. In the port is that a, a good summation of the the first yeah. half of our conversation? <laughs> yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, so moving on, there's the conversation around jobs because that's been basically the primary draw for people who aren't necessarily part of the whole, um, let's say, climate movement, right? Uh, there's like, well, it's going to be, it's going to bring jobs. They just had a jobs fair that I was there. They just had a jobs fair. There was like 500 people that showed up, 164 jobs they were saying being, being offered. But one of the things that, you know, we covered, we both covered last uh, spring in 2021 actually was the project labor agreement. Uh, who was there? Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren. Who wasn't there? I mean, in, yeah, in right. state, you know, Massachusetts politics. I mean, even Gina McCarthy, you know, uh, President Biden's, I think they call her a climate. She's gone now, but the um, you know national politicians descended on the port of New Bedford. Yeah, uh, for this Karen Spilka, yeah. right? Yeah, she was there. Uh, Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren, Jake Auchincloss, members of the delegation, members of the state house that were not even close to from this area, uh, came in, and their big thing was that they were going to, and everybody spoke. It took two hours because everybody had a long thing to say about how this is the next whaling industry, and. They had a project labor agreement with Vineyard Wind, and what, the goal of that, to my understanding, was to make sure that locally sourced labor fueled this industry. <clears throat> and so, um, so yeah, I mean, so yeah, that, I mean, that was the the um, the announcement. I mean, the project labor agreement—it's a common thing between you know big projects, especially with some state you know interest or funding, yeah. um, and the uh, developer. So this one was Vineyard Wind, right? Which just started its lease. You know, first of this year, um, and you know, it was under construction. You know, the jobs are happening right now, mm-hmm. um, and it's, so it's been Vineyard Wind and the Massachusetts Building Trades Council. It's a kind of amalgamation of unions. You know, the welders, the pipe fitters, pile drivers, um, yeah. and you know, they're all unions that are mostly based in Boston, but they do have a southeast uh, kind of rep- representation. Uh, and yeah, so what this. PLA, the Project Labor Agreement, did is uh, commit 500 jobs to the uh, union, five, commit the project to 500 union jobs. And um, that was signed. You know, we all watched as um, Lar- then CEO Lars Peterson sat down with the ceremoniously of- signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we watched that, but yeah. actually, I have um, some photos on my phone of it. The, Me you know, too. Yeah. Um, but all that came out was a press release. And yeah. there was never uh, an actual release of the official document. You know, as you see when you know, um, legislation's passed or anything like that, yeah. you always see the hard copy. And we've, we, you know, we hounded them for about you know six months to a year, always asking if they'll release it because that's really the details. I mean, a press release is one thing, but what, what was signed? What's the actual contractual yeah. agreement here? Um, you know, what came out in the press release is they'll commit some to local jobs, some for you know minority hiring. Um, and the CEO said himself, you know, we want, you know, this to be a local 
industry. Um, but that's not really the contention of uh, some of these, um, you know, labor groups in New Bedford, uh, kind of community organizers or activists who really want to be more included in this whole whole process. Is it, I, I'm, you know, it is interesting that they don't make that public. Uh, I don't know if that's industry standard and practices to not make labor agreements public, but it kind of seems like if everybody's going to make a whole big thing out of signing it, they might want to produce it to the media. Right. I mean, did Senator Warren, did Senator Markey see what they came down to you know, speak on so fondly? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't get a comment back, but it's uh yeah i mean you know you bring everyone down for this the 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 the, you know the show you know we should see the the hard copy and uh you know now is the kind of moment where it's being put to the test you know are these 500 jobs certainly they are union right the union went back down on that but um you know are they local and that's still up for debate right now yeah so you you spoke with uh buddy andrade a well-known community activist uh has the uh, old bedford uh, corporation and Mm -hmm. Um, it's his contention that these jobs aren't being hired, uh, aren't being hired, uh, in New Bedford. Yeah. I mean, not, not just him. I went to this, uh, meeting where they, they announced a grant and it was kind of an initial grant yeah. for developing this, um, program somewhat similar to Bristol County Community College. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, building out this education pipeline for the offshore wind industry. You're talking about NAWI? Yeah, 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 which still is in you know, the process. I'm not sure how yeah. far along. Well, remember when we went to NAWI, mm. uh, it was like a year year ago, over a year ago. Yeah, over a year. It was an uh, empty warehouse, and there were pictures of this is what it's going to be. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I do remember. Right, right. I remember, I remember talking to the uh, another member of the media. He's like, Where's all the stuff? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, well, what's going to be here is this. But National Offshore Wind Institute, for people who don't know, it's headed by Bristol Community College and it's essentially going to be a training and education center for people who want to develop a career in offshore wind. I think that's more or less what it is. Yeah. And what you're saying is, I think it's the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center had uh, awarded a grant to uh, the Old Bedford Corporation, uh, Old Bedford Village Corpor- uh, Corporation of how much? It was fifty thousand yeah. dollars, and it was partnered with uh, Pace, people acting in community endeavors, yeah. you know, very well known local nonprofit. Of course, and uh, yeah, it's so it's it's an initial grant is to develop the the plan. I mean, it's a lot of these planning development <laughs> grants, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the the point is to do something similar with what I understand the Bristol County Community College is, which is you know building out this educational pipeline into the offshore wind industry. I mean, these are incredibly technical jobs. You know, yeah. they're not. Um, you know, swinging a hammer all day, right? I mean, it's um, yeah. which requires its own set of skills, of course. But no, I can't swing a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're here, <laughs> right? But yeah. you know, this is um, e- electrician jobs, right? This is um, you know, big, uh, heavy duty industrial jobs. You need serious safety training and a knowledge base to do. And you know, that is a part of why New Bedford right now is not, um, you know, these people are saying are not being included as much in in the hiring. Um, these unions are based largely in Boston, and they have their own history of being very insular. I mean, um, you know, we all know people. It's uh, strong unions are an important thing, right? But that does come with a, um, you know, uh, keeping it strong through you know having a strong representation and somewhat insular. So the kind of irony behind this is, you know, one of the conversations that's always been had. I think is less true. I think it's less true now than it used to be, but that 
Boston is sort of the, you know, the, the economic fulcrum of the state. And so they get all the attention and they get everything. And what this offshore wind is supposed to do is bring more attention down here, bring more jobs down here. And this what for this project, the labor agreement is supposed to do is bring more jobs down here. Mm-hmm. But the irony in this, I guess, is that a lot of these jobs are being hired from in Boston. Right. The toss up is, uh, you know, union jobs do not mean New Bedford jobs necessarily. Yeah, right. And that's what was signed is 500 union jobs. You know, it's um. Union jobs are great, you know, good middle class wages, but does not mean that uh, New Bedford residents will be included in that. What is it, four hundred thousand jobs that they're saying will be, you know, lining the East Coast and you know, both coasts in the next few years? Um, yeah, it's a, is, is I mean, you hear a lot of numbers being passed around when you go always. to these events, but uh, four hundred thousand, eighty thousand, you know, it gets a. Uh, yeah, and that, that's all throughout, not just the labor force. So this 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 grant was awarded. Um, uh, this grant was actually 508-996-0500 so I can get on. Let's actually go to the phones. Good evening. Fellas, how are you? Good. Uh, good, good conversation. Thank you. Um, uh, we're lucky to have New Bedford Light. Uh, Standard Times kind of skipped out of town, so I'm glad that uh, these guys are stepping up and you. at least bringing some truth to what's going on. Um, I, I look at, you know, the wind industry, and it just seems like this is an industry that um, is little on results in this area, let's be honest. Um, But they have such a strong presence in um, uh, leading our politicians that they're able to get incredible amounts of money. And there's no doubt the amount of money that's pouring into New Bedford right now for um, wind to um, electrical energy um, is huge. But the thing is, it's not coming from private uh, people. It's coming from taxpayers. You know, it's an industry that, that they're trying to seemingly build in New Bedford. And there's not many industries in the country that are really treated this way, are there? Besides maybe the defense industry, everything else, you got to at least try and make some money. And it's like wind really doesn't have to do anything. Well, they just got money pouring well, in. Well, it's it's I think, you know, it's still in the nascent stages of its development. So, I mean, to say it's... As of right now, is it results oriented? Yeah, no, I, I would say right now there's nothing results wise of, of of the economic development piece. But I don't know if it's a fair assessment to say because you know they're not producing anything right now because it's a, it's it's quite literally a brand new industry here in just the country, not just New Bedford. Well, I would agree with that. Um, but then if you go to Europe and places like that, it's really still unproven. I mean, you you have situations where where they put a big wind farm in the, in the uh, the North Sea, and it, it's not producing enough wind up there, so that it's useless. I mean, it's just well, it, my my point is, I hope it's successful, um, but uh, with the the uh, the situation with fusion, you know, with that type of move, um, which is they're saying maybe thirty years out yeah. in the scheme of things, it's not a lot long time. But it just seems we're pouring everything we have into um, an industry that's not proven. And I just uh, I, I don't get it. But I guess it's good for New Bedford. Yep. Uh, uh, well, you know, the thing is with nuclear fusion, too, uh, John, John, when I had Mayor John Bullard on, uh, he said, you know, he's you know, he went to MIT and all that. And he's been reading for 50 years that nuclear fusion is just a decade away. Mm. So, um, you know, it's one of those things we always talk about how, often, you, you know, you're talking about what's happening in Europe. Well, he's a mouthpiece for the industry, too. So let's, <laughs> let's be honest. You know, so well, you're, you're yeah. talking about you're talking about what's happening in Europe. I think one of the issues in Europe is. They're too reliant on wind as a power source, 
and that's why they're not able to generate enough energy. Um, that's where that's where they want us to go. But I don't think they're, they're trying to do away with if they're trying to do away with uh, uh, combustion engines and anything oil. Guess what? The next step is it's electrical, and and the same thing could happen to us. I, I just don't think it's proven enough right now. It's, yeah, I mean, it all, it all comes back to the uh, the government's approach right now to the en- energy in the United States. You know, and it's not just a, a monolith, right? There's a lot of competing interests, but the, um, you know, really the deciding uh, voice on the energy in the United States is the Senate Committee on Natural Resources. You know, that's the one shared by Joe Manchin. And, um, you know, they're, they're committed, as always, they have been for a long time to an all-the-above approach to energy, right? I mean, people think there's well, this Joe conflict. Well, Joe Manchin being a coal baron, I right. imagine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, people think there's this conflict. You know, is it green energy or oil forever? I mean, you know, the way they see it is the more energy production, the better. And that's that's kind of their 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 um, what they've been running with for, for a long time. And that's how they see offshore but, wind development. To, to me, though, that's not translating to, to real world because you have, you know, the, the incumbent president who is – seemingly anti-oil, you know. Um, so he's certainly not listening to the all-the-above um, methods. You know, we, we see them introduce more and more policies, and, and they're talking about things that are slowly stripping away the old combustion engine, and they want electrical. And, and I, I don't well, know the car companies want to do that. He's not, listening to, um, he's not listening to the Senate, you know. Yeah, but the, the car companies want to do that, too. It's not just Joe Biden. The car companies want to move well, to it. there's money in it for them because the, the government's pumping tons and tons of money into it. If, the, if the, uh, the car companies were told, no, make it on your own like other businesses do, they wouldn't yeah. be putting money in, spending all kinds of money on uh, electrical. I think there would be some need for it, but I don't think there would be the big how, – how, how do they sell their cars now? By big money from the government, giving it to the little guy to buy, go buy the cars. It's nothing is in this industry. It seems nothing is competitive. It's all yeah. I mean, the, the, the government's always work you know works hand in hand with companies, especially large companies in the United States. But I mean, you know, in different ways, like the car industry, right? Ford, um, I'm sure, is a profitable company, but they get a massive amount of taxpayer subsidies through our maintenance of roads, which they're dependent on, right? And um, you know, the, the government does choose what they want to prioritize, and that's usually through tax subsidies. And yeah, right now, offshore wind is is the is certainly the darling of uh, infrastructure right. projects in the United States. And yeah, we're seeing a lot of, of money um, go towards it. But it's no different, really, than you know, the uh, shell being paid for research and development of our oceans um, by the government, or um, you know, it's an investment in offshore wind too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of same players with a lot of the same old tricks, more or yeah. less. Yeah. Well, right. They've got a new new bag they could reach in to grab money and they're doing that and you know that's why it's being pushed by the same faces that we've seen push other things it's unfortunate and um i just think uh in some regards it could be a boondoggle but you know it's my two cents but uh that's what i see it look back on whaling what happened to whaling that that was that was driven by a desire of the public that needed something and wanted something and private industry made whaling successful not the government pumping all kinds of money into it i think um and what's going to happen we're going to both we're going to end the whaling industry we're going to end the electrical industry and what's going to be left a big mess to clean up of all these windmills out in the ocean you want to bring back whaling something else you want to bring back whaling no but (laughs) i think it has a lot of correlation to what um what is happening with uh with wind you know and a lot of um 
a lot of things that show the opposite side of, of when business is uh, involved in um, in uh, various things. And I think, you know, whaling, it shows that whaling could make it on itself without government money. It was successful. But as soon as the government started putting money into oil and things like that, what happened? By whaling, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, well, I don't think whaling's become a. I, I think the government may have properly recognized that oil production was a more efficient way to produce energy than going out hunting whales, bringing them black, back, harvesting their blubber, and and using right. that for oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has anyone written yeah, the Moby well, Dick of Galveston, you Texas? You know the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Be interested in that. Yeah. All right. I, I know I'm talking to the choir, fellas. You guys are, are seemingly not anti-wind. I don't think I'm anti-wind. I'm just skeptical wind. So sure. We'll leave it at that. Have a good night. You as well. Yeah, thank you. We're going to take this break. We'll be right back. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. The biggest... One's on the left, left. the other on the right. Right. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast Tonight here on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. I'm joined by Will Senna of the New Bedford Light. We've been talking about the offshore wind industry. Uh, there is some local movement uh, to get jobs um, or to start basically a job training process for uh, to get New Bedford workers to break into the offshore wind industry in a meaningful way. And that's being headed by Buddy Andre. He got a $50,000 grant from the Massachusetts Center in Clean Energy uh because they feel like all of those jobs are coming from Boston uh union workers in Boston are not here is that a good summation yeah i mean it wasn't just just um buddy android but uh you know there's a woman who works at the uh, greater new bedford um I forget the name of the uh, hiring um like kind of workforce you know, employment agency more or less okay and she was saying i mean she's seeing firsthand people you know getting off buses you know yeah. from boston you know uh, welders these these kind of um mm-hmm. you know union groups that were you know contracted by by vineyard wind and others um, yeah, so you know, it was pretty, not just Buddy Andre, but a lot of others saying yeah. that these jobs are not as local as we would she like them to be. His organization got the grant. The yeah, his organization got, got the grant. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there is, there is a movement right now to, to build out this, um, educational pipeline to, you know, educate the workers to build that local workforce. Cause right now, you know, before Bristol County Community College kicks into gear, um, it doesn't 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 quite exist yet. So you would uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about this off air, um, uh, but uh, Mayor Mitchell had made some comments, some interesting comments at the uh, UMass uh, roundtable, um, uh, the the climate roundtable. Um, what, what were those? Yeah. So I mean, um, just to preface a little bit, we have this caller in, in the last segment. Um, you know, speak on the whaling days of New Bedford. Right. It's kind of common calling card when you speak about offshore wind, New Bedford, and uh, you know, thinking about you know the big mansions that line County Street right up up in New Bedford. I mean, yeah. those weren't the laborers of <laughs> the whaling industry. Yeah, right. I mean, some may be whaling captains, but those were the investors of the whaling industry. And uh, you know, it, it makes me think of uh, Mayor Mitchell's quote. Uh, he told this to uh, Governor Healy when she was at UMass Dartmouth that this is a, a city um, that should not just be of big shoulders, but of big brains, right? Yeah. We need to, as much as we need to fight for the local labor force, the jobs to be here, also for the research, you know, and um, the academic side and, you know, even the business side of offshore wind to have more of a um, local representation for it to really fulfill this vision that people like to say 
of, you know, this is the new whaling days. Yeah. Or the end of the whaling days, however you want to put <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so so I imagine that'd be a lot of it, that'd be done through, like, uh, S-mast and all of that, you know, in the, yeah. in the south end. And that's where they really, you know, uh, he always asked that question, what, you know, what, uh, what do you need? I mean, that was what the answer was. Is, like um, maybe S-mast should have been where the discussion was. Now that I think about it, it might have been a more theatrical i guess backdrop yeah for it if, yeah it might have made more sense yeah but the um <clears throat> yeah so the uh you know i mean where where it puts us right now this moment is that offshore wind has been a discussion for a long time and you know now now we're officially having a dialogue about the workforce you know yeah. it's a big development i mean it's really kicking off um after a long long time and you know, many delayed projects but um you know these are important conversations to have about uh you know what offshore wind not only can do for the nation, but the development of it can do for for New Bedford. Yeah, because the conversation, you know, as that caller pointed out, the conversation has been pretty entirely abstract up until fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, now with this movement, putting real dollars behind it into, like you said, things like work, workforce development. All right, we're going to take one more break for the hour. We'll be right back. This is South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell. I'm here with Will Sunout, the New Bedford Light. Fourteen. 14- all right. Well, you've been indoctrinated into the off-air podcast, so um, there is a running off off-air podcast like the Nixon tapes, and uh, now you're on it. So uh, we're here with Wilson. I'm just kidding. We're here with Wilson <laughs> of New Bedford Light, <laughs> and uh, Will. Where can people go to to, to learn more about your uh, uh, about about your work? Uh, yeah. So we're we're free on newbedfordlight.org. That's uh, newbedfordlight l i g h t dot org, and uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter, you can follow me uh, at Will Senate S E N N O T T, or at New Bedford Light. Will, how did you come to New Bedford Light? Uh, I was an unemployed freelancer uh, working a bit for the Boston Globe when I um, got in touch with some of the team. Uh, uh, you know, just through freelancing, through interviews. I actually, met Mayor, uh, former Mayor John Bullard, who t- told me about this team that was forming, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I sound, sound like an exciting opportunity. I mean, you know, journalism at, at large is really suffering, right? I mean, yeah. uh, the fact that the Boston Globe was letting me write for it <laughs> was <laughs> just a sound in itself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, nonprofit uh, online journalism, you know, it doesn't have the real weight of the, you know, print newspaper. But, you know, it's able to, to do a lot of legwork and cover a city, um, you know, much like you guys do on, on the radio and um, yeah, it sounded like an exciting opportunity. I mean, a new avenue to um, you know cover a city as interesting as New Bedford. I mean, I was always uh, drawn to New Bedford, um, just covering the fishing industry right. and just the real weight and bulk of the the port here. Yeah, and, uh, and now you're here. So, uh, Will Senat, New Bedford Light. I've got like another minute to kill, and uh, I'm not sure how to do that. Is there anything else that's interesting that you want to say? <laughs> I can sing if you if you <laughs> kind of hate this, you know. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm in this like I've I've got a minute before the news break, uh, before the news kicks in, and then you know we we've had like a really robust conversation and we've completed it, and some people are like, well, you know, is he filibustering this last minute? And you know, I am. I'm filibustering the last minute uh, of the of the program, but will I? I uh, thank you again for coming on. That's yeah. Will Senat, New Bedford Light, NewBedfordLight.org. You're doing a lot of work, uh, a lot of work reporting on the the uh, a lot of great work reporting on the the port uh, of thank New you. Bedford. And yeah, if, if anyone calling has you know any stories they want to share, um, you know, on the offshore wind industry, the fishing industry, 
um, you know, you can email me, uh, at New Bedford Light.org. I'm always hoping to hear from people in New Bedford. You show you know, it to people. his house, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always got Will, to I have a story. <laughs> yeah, shut him my second floor window on County Street. Um, All right. Uh, that's, that's it. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it.